0: There's this great quote by Al Mohler, uh, Southern Baptist uh, convention uh, leader, and he says this in his book, The Conviction to Lead. He says, when a leader walks into the room, a passion for truth had better enter with him. Authentic leadership does not emerge out of a vacuum. The leadership that matters most is convictional, deeply convictional. This quality of leadership springs from those foundational beliefs that shape who we are, Establish our beliefs about everything else. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. We we have to start from somewhere. We can't create a life's plan of action. We can't. um, We can't operate well in our job, in our personal roles, there's just no way to live if we don't have a solid foundation. Ultimately, we heard that in the word of God, Jesus says, I am the solid foundation. That's where we stand first and foremost. That's where we get our identity. That's that's who created us. But then when when we take one more step, that's the sure foundation, but the next step must be the foundation of who we are. We can't operate outside of that. And again, we live in a world today with a multitude of competing statements, beliefs, phrases around what it means to live as ourselves. A lot of them are very dangerous. Uh, but if you are to open up any self-help book, actually if you're just to go into the airport, the bookstore, um, to Google, Self-help is crazy, like there's just so much information out there, there's some some reasonably good pieces of information I'm sure, but it's really dangerous because all of that is telling us or, or educating us, by and large, I won't say all, the mass majority is telling us or educating us to be somebody else. Because why? Because it's their way to success, their way to achievement, their way to peace. There are things that we can learn from them, but ultimately we have to find that out for ourselves. Even uh, Pastor Tim Keller out of New York, um, he says something, I'm going to butcher this quote a little bit, but he says something to the effect that if we look to Jesus as the example of how to live as a human being, Jesus has failed us because he's perfect we can't live as he lived so we're not looking to Jesus as the example of how to live we're we're giving Jesus or Jesus is giving us the tools by which we can go live the life that we've been called to live we don't we don't emulate him completely so again back to this idea of self-help we can't look to other people we have to look inward we can use resources and tools which i'm going to give some today as well so i just get to be maybe another problem hopefully not but we have, to look, we, we have to look at ourselves first. So that was the purpose, the principles, and the passions. Purpose, passions, and principles is the better order there for myself. And so what I wanna to do today is talk about how living authentically is going to give us an opportunity to influence and cause others to act. And so I'm gonna use influence and leadership interchangeably a little bit as we do this. Um, so, There's this great quote by Al Mohler, uh, Southern Baptist uh, Convention uh, leader, and he says this in his book, The Conviction to Lead. He says, when a leader walks into the room, a passion for truth had better enter with him. Authentic leadership does not emerge out of a vacuum. The leadership that matters most is convictional, deeply convictional. This quality of leadership springs from those foundational beliefs that shape who we are and establish our beliefs about everything else. If you notice, as you look to people that influence, as you notice, and you look to people that lead, those that we are most apt to follow are those that are passionate about what? The same things that we're passionate about. When we align from a values perspective, we're more apt to follow them. We align better with those types of people and we follow in their footsteps. And so as Moeller says the same thing, it's when we have deep convictions about who we are and about what we've been called to do, to do hopefully what is right, we're going to cause other people to follow along with us, not to be like us, but to follow along and to to do good as us. So our purpose, our passions and our principles are so important uh, in, in that case. So, so how do we do that? That's, that's, that's the question that I want to kind of finish answering because so much of this is just in theory, obviously that working document, hopefully will give you an opportunity to create your own foundation, your own mission, vision, and values. Um, but what do we do with that? And so two things that I want, uh, I want to, uh, I want to help us do from this place is number one is I want to show, I want to help you to see that knowledge becomes influence and knowledge becomes power, uh, which is really what we're after. And I'll I'll share a little bit about how that is helpful for us. And then finally, I want to share with you guys and and help us all walk through this idea of how we communicate for action. Because the way that we're going to get other people to take action around us, the way we're going to act ourselves is through communication. So those are the two things that I want to talk about here. So first one up is that knowledge becomes power and influence. So, the only way that we can perform at our best, the best spouse, the best parent, the best child, the best employee, the best community member, is to know what our best looks like. But again, if we look out into the world, my best is not this gentleman's best. His best is not this woman's best. It's all different, and so where's the bar? If we're looking to a bar that's been set by somebody else, what are we set up for? Failure, discouragement, disbelief, disaster, all those things come into play. We, we, we can't perform at the same level that somebody else performs at. The only way that we can really see this play out well is in athletics. Everybody performs at a different level. And the reason athletics is such a good example is because it's very measurable. In a world of when we're talking about what does it look like to be the best husband, where's the scorecard? (laughs) We don't really have one. What about the best employee? Organizations don't even really know how to well measure what it looks like to be the best employee. Because some organizations would say the best employee is the one that produces the most. Some other organizations would say that uh, it's the employee that is present the most. Other organizations would say that it's who shows up and models our culture and all our values the most. There's no consistency. And when there's no consistency, again, it's very, very hard to measure that. This is why it's important, again, for us to look inward. Only we are going to know what our best is. I tell my kids all the time that I'm trying to teach them what their best is, but ultimately that's something that they have to learn for themselves. We don't work on uh, uh, um, the merit of a report card in our house. Um, Thankfully, my 20-year-old was a little bit of a challenge when she was going through junior high and and middle school, or and uh, and high school. Uh, But my 12-year-old now, uh, she works harder on her grades than we care about. (laughs) Not that school's not important, but if she doesn't have straight A's, she has meltdowns, and we're like, babe, it's okay. Just do your best. Did, did, Did you did you apply your best effort? Yes. Did you do all your work? Yes. Did you study as much as you could? Yes. Did you pay as much attention as possible to the the test that you took? Yes. Then whatever whatever grade came back out of that is your best, and that's that's all that matters. We're trying to reinforce her identity, not to give her a false sense of accomplishment. This is not about giving medals to everybody on the field. I don't believe in that at all. We're trying to teach people what their best is so they can perform to that level. And we should be doing that for ourselves. This is also why it's very beneficial as you're going through a process like this to work with a therapist, to work with a coach, to work with somebody outside of yourself that's willing to tell you the truth. Because unfortunately, we lie to ourselves more than anybody else. We tell ourselves that we're really good at things that we're not very good at. And we tell ourselves that we're bad at things that we're actually pretty good at. Or the better example is look in the mirror and see if you really see what you, what you really look like. As beautiful as somebody else would say you are, as handsome as somebody else would say you are, you would look in the mirror and you would find something to pick yourself apart for. We don't know how to completely tell ourselves the truth, so it's good to have some outside objectivity as we're trying to figure out, again, what our best is. So. When we we gain that knowledge, when we do that self-work, when we we become more self-aware, that will help us to become our best. And then we can truly lean into and lead by example because we're performing at our best in whatever roles that we're called to. But it's not just about us becoming our best for ourselves' sake, but for other people as well. We're to model as best as we can, what it means to be good citizens, to be good men, to be good women, to be good spouses, to be good children. How do we do that? Well, if we're trying to tell other people, like could you imagine back to the example of my 12 year old, if I told my 12 year old Chloe that all I wanted was her best, but then dad was putting forth his best effort but was constantly coming down on himself because he wasn't as making as much money as his friend Johnny next door. Is that a good example? No, not at all. But that's what we do. We do that all the time. Oftentimes, actually, by by holding ourselves to a different standard than we hold the people around us, we just become the hypocrite that they're accusing us of anyway. So we have to be really careful. Again, we're trying not just to lead ourselves to produce the best, but we're trying to lead other people in that same way. That's how we're ultimately going to lead and influence them. So we do that, again, gaining that knowledge comes by three things. Self-awareness, nobody is too self-aware. I haven't met anybody yet. It takes a lot of work. The second thing is humility. This is big. When I was 20, let's see, 22, 23, I think, 22, I got my first sales job. I didn't go to college. Uh, I got uh, a job right out of high school. Um, uh, my second job was a sales job, and I, I, was, I was good at it fairly quickly. I was very, very thankful for that. But that also become, became a, a weakness of mine because I was so good, I wasn't willing to listen to other people's feedback. I remember I was about 26. I was, leading, uh, I was the top salesperson in this global corporation uh, that I worked for. And the CEO of the company came to me one day, and he said, Ryan, he said, I really encourage you to go get a mentor. And I said, are you joking? Have you seen my numbers? Don't don't you see what I, I don't need somebody else to tell me what to do. I'm the example, I'm I'm showing the rest of the 24 people on your team what to do. How ignorant was that? But how often do we do that? I mean, one of the greatest characteristics we see all throughout the Bible is this idea of being humble and exercising humility. But how often, when somebody gives us feedback, what do we do? We reject it, we get angry, we get frustrated, we don't really want to hear it. We tell them to their face, thank you so much for telling us that, and then inside, we just want to punch them in the face. Not you, you're too kind for that. I just know it. <laughs> he says, ha <"Haha."> ha. <laughs> We must be humble in order to gain the feedback necessary to live as the most authentic version of ourselves for us and for the people around us. So self-awareness, humility, and number three, and this kind of goes hand in hand with humility, is constant, uh, the constant improvement of ourselves. So just this pursuit of constant improvement. Now, I wanna qualify this. We live in a day and age that is driving us to constantly be better. Do more, do more, do more, do more, be more. And it's exhausting. It's destroying us. So I'm not telling you to do more. I think it's extremely irresponsible to tell most people in the United States today to do more. There are some people out there that probably could do a little bit more, but by and large, that's not the message I'm trying to get across. What I'm trying to get across when I say constant improvement is look inward and find ways in which you can be better to benefit yourself and the people around you. This isn't about adding more to what you're doing now. This is about improving on what you're already doing. Find the small way that you can grow. There are so many things that we can do. Um, I shared with you uh, in the last uh, session that, you know, my wife and I nearly uh, got divorced. Um, The Lord saved us. He starts rebuilding our marriage at the 10-year mark. So that would have been 2011. We renewed our vows in the church. It was wonderful. And so things were going pretty, pretty, pretty amazing at that point. And I could have stopped there. God saved me. He put our marriage back together. There was no reason to grow anymore. I, I, I was pretty good. My wife loved me. She respected me at that point. My kids loved me. But I remember I was listening to a pastor preach one time, a pastor actually from up here in Seattle, and I remember hearing him say something that just blew me away. He said, if you want to be a good husband, he said, I want you to make sure that every single time you think something positively about your wife, that you tell her every time. Well, it just so happened for me. He didn't tell me that specifically. He was preaching a message, but it just so happened for me that I'm married to a woman that that struggles deeply with self-image, self-confidence from years and years of scars that were far previous to me. I just made that worse during our struggle in marriage. And so I decided that I was going to try to apply that. I wanted to be better. I didn't want to stop there. I wanted to see how much more I could invest into my marriage, how much more I could build my wife up. I mean, how easy was it to everything, every time that I thought my wife looked beautiful and sexy to say, baby, you look beautiful and sexy. Baby, I love you. Baby, you've done something really, really great. I appreciate you so much. In the beginning, for like the first couple of months, one day she pulled me aside and she goes, hey, I don't know what's going on with you, but you are weird. (laughs) Like, why, why do you keep saying that all the time? And I I told her outright, I said, because, I said, these are the things that I think about all the time in my head, and it's about time you start hearing them. Because when I'm frustrated with her, what do I do? I tell her. But when I'm happy with her, I don't always tell her. And, 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 And we could call my wife right now, and she would tell you that to this day, it's now been another 10 years, every single time that I think something positively about my wife, I tell her. It could be 15, 20 times in a day at times. That's the, constant, that's the desire to constantly improve as a husband. There's plenty of other things I do too, but that's just something that's so simple, right? It's not about more. I was already thinking it. Why not just do it? So think to the context of all the roles that you're living in on a day in and day out basis. You want to go live as the best version of yourself, fully as this person that God has called you to be. How can you grow? Where's the 1%? Where are the little things that you can do on a day in and day out basis to grow in that way? And by the way, when we talk about impact, when we talk about influence, when we're talking about having the power to lead other people to change, do you know how powerful this is? Because all of my friends, I have a lot of real idiot guy friends, but they hear me saying that all the time. And as a matter of fact, there is one of my specific friends, I love him dearly, we've been friends for over 40 years, he just went through a terrible relationship, he's got a young daughter as the result of that, trying to find a new woman to date, It's hard in your mid-40s to do that. He finally finds this woman. They've been dating for like six months. She's got a couple of kids. She's great. And she has started, we've gotten really close. We've traveled together recently, the four of us. And she started saying, I want what you guys have. I I, I want that relationship too. Her best friend cheated with her husband and that's how she got divorced. Like it's terrible stuff. But she's like, I want that now in my new relationship. Well, I've never once sat down with her. My wife has never once sat down with her and told her, hey, here's the seven ways in which you are going to be a great spouse to Ryan's friend Chad one day. Never. We've just modeled in our own lives to the best of our ability what it looks like to be a good husband and a good wife. What's interesting though is is when my wife finally sat down with her and said, all right, I'm going to tell you, you've, you've now asked, right? I, I want this for my life. And My wife said, the first thing you have to do is come to faith because that's what we did because if God's not at the center, nothing else works. And she goes, well, that part is good for you, but I want the rest. <laughs> so we're going to see how that goes for them. Uh, we'll keep working on it. But again, like it's just about modeling good behavior. And, and pr- I promise you, I'm not just trying to brag up here because I could tell you the 7,000 bad things that I've done in the last two weeks. I'm just trying to give some good, simple examples of way in which we can fully live out this identity and this opportunity that god has given to us and influence and impact other people in the process okay so we're gaining alignment through these ideas of self-awareness humility and this pursuit of constant improvement so now let's talk about communication we've got about 15 minutes and i think it's probably going to take about that some of this is gonna be a little bit repetitive because I've talked about it a few times, but if we're going to live authentically, so by the way, we, we've heard this word a lot, we, we, it's out there, authentic, auth, uh, you know, just being authentic, living authentically, that's by the way what this is, it's not a bad word, it's be authentic. Um, and so it's something that I've just carried around for myself. I've had a lot of people ask me like, that's bad. And I'm like, no, it's not, I promise. Um, but authentic, The simplest definition that you can find in the Bible is being of of known origin. So basically, to live as an authentic version of yourself is for somebody to look at you and say, I know who you are and I know where you've come from. And I mean, as a Christian, there's nothing better than that. When someone can look at you and say, I see Jesus in you, I mean, that's like the greatest compliment anybody could ever give us, right? But outside of that, or, or, or... I don't want to say beyond that. After that, right, that, that's, that should be our foundation as Christians. But then one step further, I see it's clear as day that you, are, that you are a good husband. I see it's clear as day that you are a respectful community member. I see it's clear as day that you're an honest business owner. We need a lot more of those, right? So again, like people would look at us, our behavior, they would hear us speak and they would say, I know where you come from. I know who you are based upon the things you say and do. So let's talk about communicating it. What does that look like? Number one, the number one way, there's like, there's a lot here, maybe 10 things, but this first one is the best, my favorite one of them all. Because it seems so simple and yet I think it's the most difficult today. The first way that we are going to communicate who we are to other people in order to influence them to the same positive action and activity is to be human. And you're like, no duh. Do people say that anymore, no duh? I remember saying, I used to say that all the time and we used to get in trouble for saying it. Um, no duh. I have this quote. I I actually don't know where I got it. So whoever out there said this, it's for you. This quote says this, the most important truths come alive through stories and faithful leadership or influence is inseparable from the power and stewardship of story. The excellent leader knows how to lead out of the power of the narrative that frames the identity and mission of the people he will lead. And the leader knows how to put his own story into service for the sake of the larger story. We're putting our story into service for other people. I mean, one of the gifts, like, kind of like my ex pastor hat just keeps turning on here, like, one of the gifts that we have been given in the Word of God is we get to read the entire story of God working for humanity. That's how we relate, right? If it was some distant, intangible, illegible, like just, it made no sense to us, we wouldn't get it. There's enough in there that we read through and we're like, I don't really get this, I don't relate to this. But some way or another, God seems to weave that in. But it's the story. It's the humanity. Because that's who we have been created to be. We have been created to be human beings. And again, through the last two years, one of the things that we recognized more than anything was how deeply we desired human-to-human interaction. See, we took advantage of that before. Leading up to March fourteenth, two 2020, it was easy for us to have access to human beings, so we actually didn't really care about having access to human beings. Now, some of you in this room may not be that way, but it was far easier for me to walk down the street and just go like this and watch as people were falling on the street and dying, like this guy's over here, I don't even know what he's doing. It was just easy. When it was my friends, when it came to checking in with people, it was far easier to text message somebody than it was to pick up the phone. And it was way better than to pick up the phone than it was to go see them in person because every single level of human-to-human interaction that got deeper was more inconvenient. That sounds terrible to say that, but that's the reality of things, right? Like with my mom, like a text, that's it, right? Like I don't want to, I'm good, just text you and I don't have to talk to you anymore. There's a lot of effort that goes into that. She talks a lot, way more than me, and that's saying a lot. And so we had taken for granted the human-to-human connection that we had been given and so deeply need. COVID exposed that, and I hope we have learned a good lesson. I hope that we have learned that we need other human beings. We need to be human to other people. This is why we go to war on social media, because that's not another human being on the other end of that. That's just a profile. That's why we can sling terrible words at the TV screen when a newscaster or a politician says whatever they do. But I don't care, like whatever side of the aisle you're on. If the opposing politician was in the room, I guarantee you, you would have a hard time really saying the things that you think in your head, because you would see that human being eyeball to eyeball. Because we've humanized things. God has a funny way about creating us in such a way that a lot of those like nasty rough edges begin to break down when we look somebody eye to eye. It's a good thing. So if you want to communicate action, if you want to lead and influence other people by living as you do that, by becoming a human being to other people. If you're struggling, this is one of the things I tell a lot of my clients, if you're struggling to interact with somebody, like again, like organizationally, because everybody went remote, leaders are having a hard time getting employees to do what to do, employees are struggling at home, they're trying to communicate back to their leadership, like I can't do this anymore. But it was so impersonal because it was just over the phone or over an email. And so I started telling them, I'm like, go see each other in person, sit down and talk about it. Or at least, at very least, like get on Zoom and look at each other face to face in the camera. Humanize it. So if you're struggling, if you're struggling to, to communicate with somebody else, if you're struggling to, you, you see an opportunity to have impact, to influence somebody, to lead somebody, and you don't know what to do, one of the first things that I would ask myself is, is am I being a human being to them? And chances are there's probably some place that we've cut that short. So be human. Number two, if you wanna communicate for action and causing other people to live authentically, as I hope you desire to do for yourself, number two would be to speak with integrity, honesty, and truthfulness. Speak with integrity, honesty, and truthfulness. It kind of goes without saying. But if we're honest, we have to say it. Because when I get frustrated about an injustice that I see happening out in the world, it's very easy for me to speak truth, but to do so with a lack of integrity. Like how often have you said something that was completely true? And afterwards you're like... Mm, I shouldn't have said that like that. Not, not only did I not help that situation, I just made it worse. We do it a lot. And th- this is where like, the doctor comes into play. Like, she, she could speak to this far better. Like This has to do with human behavior and psychology. When all of those feelings get mixed up, all of those scars that we have, all of those issues, all of the wiring that is crossed in our own brain... It gets really hard to communicate in such a way that is going to be helpful when we get frustrated and angry. So then I go back to defaulting to number one. Don't forget to be a human being first. Human beings are fallible, so we're gonna make mistakes, and then we just apologize when we do make that mistake. But if you're standing on your values, truly desiring to be that person, then you have a far better opportunity to step into that conversation with truthfulness, with integrity. Which, by the way, remember when I said last time, like, write those things down? It would almost be like, I have mine on my piece of paper. I'm getting ready to engage in a conversation with somebody. And before I show up to meet with them or to pick up the phone and call them, I reread through my purpose, passion, and principles. This is what's most important to me. This is what I believe I'm called to. These are the things I'm not going to step outside. Okay, now let's talk. As a matter of fact, I challenge a lot of people to do something even harder than that. Post it somewhere where everybody can see it. This for me, this has been one of my, this was one of the greatest purposes that I had in claiming this message of being Authentic. This was not just an opportunity to to bring this out of other people, but I just created a, I don't wanna say worldwide, I don't have that reach, but tens of thousands of people follow me online. And I'm connected to a couple thousand people throughout some social circles and business circles. I just created a human accountability circle that I can't get anything by. I share it all. I just wanna put it out there. I wanna allow people to see me for who I am. So that alone, again, my values are out there for everybody to see online. So guess what happens if I, if I go against one of those? People just call me out. You said, and then you did. You say, but then you do. We could do the same thing. It just it, it, it becomes a great accountability part there out there for all of us. So, integrity, honesty, truthfulness. Number three, when you're going to communicate in order to lead other people to this same type of lifestyle, say only what you mean. Say only what you mean, which means we have to be thoughtful about what we're going to say. This is self-awareness. If we know we're gonna get caught up in a bad way, we're gonna get angry, we're gonna get frustrated, it's gonna be a contentious conversation, Take a step back and prepare before we go into that conversation. Next one, I think this is number four. Speak of what you desire. This one's interesting. We we desire to to go out into the world, to live in such a way, to allow other people to see us, to know us, to like us. We get into relationship with other people. And then what we rarely do is, is we rarely actually tell people what we're after. This was always a great one for me as a pastor. Um, It was on my business profiles. It was everywhere. And so it was like incriminating for people. They they would get onto the phone with me. And one of the first things that they would say to me is, I don't think the same way as you do. You know, I I don't believe like you do, but you know, I'm this, this, and this. And I I would tell every single person, look it. I will do business with anybody that has integrity. We don't have to believe in the same God, but I want you to know one thing. If I could have anything in the relationship between you and I, it's for you to come to faith in Jesus. Even if that means that I don't get any of your business. Now, that doesn't win a lot of friends in the business world. I've lost a lot of business as a result of being that public about my faith. But guess what? I'm just telling them what I want. That's what I want more than anything because that's where my values lie. How about like, there's no kids in here right now. I'm not going to get too deep into this, but how about in our, our relationships? You know, one of the most interesting things that I used to counsel young couples that were getting ready to get married, and I'd say, okay, what kinds of, what kinds of conversations have you had with each other? Money, where we're going to live, what our family's going to look like, what kind of jobs we're going to have. I said, how many conversations have you had around how much sex you're going to have? What? I mean, like, we're just getting ready to get married so we can have it all the time. And I said, let's see how long that lasts. (laughs) And on top of that, is that what you both really want? We don't say what we want. And yet we expect other people just to meet our needs and serve our expectations. So if you want to live again as the person that you have been created to be, speak your mind, let other people know what you want. Next up, avoid speaking negatively about yourself and other people. If we want to influence, if we want to impact, and I have a hard time with this. I have a hard time with this in society today because we see a lot of wrong happening in the world. And I forget who said this, but maybe it was Nate. Who who said earlier the three truths? views of truth oh that was you up there right that's right Uh, you know it's like who's right who's right when it comes to how we how the united states handles the war going on in the ukraine and, and russia right now i'll bet you have an opinion is your opinion completely right or is their opinion completely right One of the things that gets a lot of people really tensed up, I love to say this one, is um, by and large, let's discount the evil, awful people that are on both sides of the aisle. By and large, ultimately, both the Democratic Party and the Republican Party both want the same thing. They want the best for the people of this country. The problem lies in how we get there. So that's that's where we run into a lot of challenges. Okay. And so when we go into a conversation like that with somebody else, it's easy for us to speak negatively. The way you're doing it is wrong. This is ridiculous. You're terrible. And it may be. It may be that way. But is that helpful at all? I mean, I guess if you just want to start an argument, it is. But if you're trying to bridge a relationship, if you're trying to help other people get to the same end goal, find common ground, some things we can't, but for the most part, we can. Are you doing that in such a way that avoids negatively speaking about other people. And avoid speaking negatively about yourself. Be careful about what you say around other people. Of course, we wanna be honest, we wanna be forthcoming about the things we struggle with, where we get tripped up, but at the same time, when we're constantly talking negatively about ourselves, do you really think that anybody's ever going to want to follow anything that we have to say? No. We want to we follow people that have a, a realistic, but a high view of who they are. Again, especially as uh, fellow Christians, we all, we all get to go right back to like the Apostle Paul. He's like, I'm the most messed up of you all. And yet we look up to him more than just about anybody else in all of history. David's story, Moses' story, they were messed up. They were were, were very messed up. And they weren't afraid to talk about it. But at the same time, they didn't harp on those things. More often than not, they spoke about all the ways that God was working through them to accomplish the things that he desired for them and for the people around them. That's how you live is the best version of yourself. But you have to know who that person is. You have to be self-aware. Um, lastly, uh, in this, and then I've got like three bullet points. I'm, I'm at time, right? I'm okay, he says. Sorry. Um, Last one, when we're communicating for action, when we want people to take action on this life that we desire for ourselves, the life that we desire for other people, impacting and influencing each other to change, uh, this kind of goes to like the avoiding speaking negatively of other people. But Stephen Covey, Uh, I'm a huge Stephen Covey fan. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People is the best book I've ever read in my life. I've read it 15 different times, no exaggeration, and nobody will ever write a book on habits that's as good as Stephen's book. (coughs) Um, I say Stephen like I know him. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) one of his seven habits is seek first to understand and then be understood. Seek first to understand and then be understood. Have you ever sat down and talked with somebody, uh, for you church folk, have you ever sat down and talked with somebody that said, I'm an atheist? Raise your hand. How many of those people that you've talked to have, have had a story and a reason why they believe that or don't believe that about God? Every one of them. But if we don't take time to understand what broke their view of who God is, how are we ever going to show them who God really is? We don't take the time. With our kids, when they make mistakes, I see this all the time, and I used to do this plenty. I don't care why you did what you did, you did something wrong. What? Why you did what you did is why you did what you did, and I have to figure out how to fix the root cause of the problem. Back to the politics thing, I always have so much fun with this one. Why do you believe that that's the right way to do things? Why do you believe that's the right way to, to execute justice, to legislate law, to not manage our money? <laughs> like, whatever. Like, why, why do you think those things? I want to understand. I don't, I don't want to listen and, so that way I can formulate a plan to attack you. I truly want to understand why you think the way that you do. When we seek to understand, when we listen to other people, they are far more willing to listen to us, which will give us the opportunity to influence. You know, I had a client one time tell me that, and I'm so thankful for when these happen. She says, you know, uh, we've been working together for about a year. And she said, uh, she goes, you know, I I know that you're a Christian and I know that you're a pastor. And she says, I'm not. Uh, She says, as a matter of fact, she goes, I've been so turned off by all of my interactions with Christians, which that's probably a, a gross overstatement, but that's what a lot of people say. And, and I love her to death. She's just such a sweet woman and, she, and she's in Texas. So like the Bible Belt, right? Like she's been around a lot of Christians, I'm sure in her life. And she says, I want you to know, she says, you were the first Christian that I've ever talked to that's been honest enough to tell me about the things that you doubt about God, to tell me about all the ways that God's working in your life And at the same time, not trying to impress that upon me as what I have to do with my own life. Now, that's not for everybody. Sometimes we need to slap them in the face with it. That's what had to happen to me. But again, like once we understand people's stories, once we can gain background, we can figure out better ways how to handle those situations. Because ultimately, what is my dream for her? To come to faith in Jesus. Seek first to understand why people are the way they are, what they do, what they do. Then, only then, when we are interested enough in them, will they start to become interested enough in us. It fascinates me, fascinates me. Like these are church things. It fascinates me so much to hear people's stories of uh, living as a straight person for a portion of their life and then stepping into the homosexual lifestyle. It's actually very interesting to me. Why why did you choose that? What what led you to this place? Or you you cheated on your spouse. And like, why why did you do that? Yes, it was wrong, we all know it was wrong. But why, what led to that? Like, how do I help you get to a place where you see for yourself That not only was that wrong, but there were things that you did that led up to that point. So I can help you to become better. This is the way we do this. If we do those things, starting again back at being the human being that we've been created to be. You know, we we can't not be human. We just try really hard not to. We're going to create influence and other people will desire to follow us. It's always so interesting to me when I hear people say like, um, you know, what, what's, what's your purpose? Or like, what are you so passionate about? I'm, I'm passionate about impacting the world. I'm like, that, that's, that's amazing. Do you actually care about just impacting one person? Well, that doesn't sound that good. I'm like, it should. It doesn't matter what our audience looks like. It's the opportunity to impact and influence. Hopefully for, a, for one or two of you, this means that you're just going to go to the grocery store the next time you go and just smile the whole time you're in the store. Masks are coming off in like a week or two here or something like that. You're going to get to smile at people. Man, you are going to make them feel so good. Tip somebody a little bit extra. Just be kind. We've all been through it. There's so many ways to do that. Not only will you create influence in others, but you are going to build excellence in yourself. This commitment to personal authenticity is our ability to live our best life. There's many, many definitions of what it means to live your best life. I'm sure Oprah's got 17 of them on her own. If you're an Oprah fan, maybe you know. But but our best life, our best life, the best life that we can ever live, the most authentic version of us is to live as the men and women that God created us to be. There's nothing more real. There's nothing more authentic. There's nothing better. There's no more level of success than that. That is happiness at its finest. It doesn't, uh, you know, what I was going to talk about today and decided not to talk about today is the fact that, you know, like we're all after this, this, this level of monetary accomplishment or stuff accomplishment, And yet the happiest people in the world are the people that are happy with who they are. They don't care what they have. I went on a missions trip to Haiti back in 2011. It was about five months post-earthquake, the devastating one they had in January of 2011. I mean, the city was still in ruins, ruins. People are out in the villages. Kids are dirty. They're drinking out of like malaria-infested water. And they were as smiley as smiles could be because they didn't know any different. They didn't care about whether or not they got the car when they turned 16 or whether or not they had a bigger house than the person down the street. None of that mattered. They were alive and they were so happy to be alive. It's about focusing on what we have and what God has given us and how we live with that and find joy in that. And that is ultimately, again, what is going to give other people the opportunity to live the same way. Living as the best version, the most authentic version of ourselves is so fulfilling. And if we wanna make an impact on the world around us, we have to start with us. It's not selfish by the way. So many people say like, it's selfish to like focus on yourself. It's it's selfish to spend so much time on building yourself up, like sacrifice yourself and invest into other people. There's truth to all that stuff. But if you are unhealthy, if you don't have a good clear vision of who you are, if you're frustrated, if you're angry, if if you're not content, you are never going to have the effectiveness In doing that for other people, ever. It's just going to be a circle that runs round and round. So again, be human, be authentic, be the men and women that God created you to be. There's nothing better in the world. And when we stand on the rock of Jesus, the foundation of who we are, and continue to focus on that, I guarantee you, you will be far better off than chasing after any other model of life that the world says is of offer to you. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.